Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. That's right, just keep on breathing from the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple in New York City. Welcome to all my listeners out there on Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, at thecaregiverspace.org. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 21 global audio and video platforms. Platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, HealthyLife.net, Vimeo, Stitcher, and so on. Not going to name them all, but we are certainly <laughs> proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, as well as number three podcasts out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes. Yes, because it's we, you and me, but it's, it's good. Me and you, you and me. There was a song about yeah. that, I think. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to talk about our official title, but we never stick with that, do we? Is <laughs> if you know a caregiver, and everybody knows a caregiver, everybody knows someone with cancer, everybody knows a caregiver, um, everybody knows someone with Alzheimer's, everybody knows somebody. And if you want to help your caregiver, you feel helpless, you see them like struggling, you see them, you know, their health declining, you see them just fading away into oblivion, isolating themselves, and you want to help, but you don't know how to help, we're going to talk about how you can help your caregiver friend stay alive, stay healthy, stay out of the hospital. That's a good topic, don't you think? Yeah. I think so. So um, I was talking to Adrian before the show started about uh, my new book that's still being edited, and it's like, <laughs> this is a... This is a hard birth. You ever have a hard birth? Editing is the hardest part. Yeah, but this is extra hard because this is my <laughs> fourth book. This is the hardest one I've ever done. Maybe it's supposed to be that way. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I gave it to my son-in-law, and he's a, he's a very good writer. He, he writes novels and stuff. And he he read the first 50 pages, and he says, Can we meet? We need to get together. And, you know, I didn't like the sound of that, but I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we got together, and he, he just, you know, which is what I wanted. I wanted objective, third eyes. I, I'm, I'm so wrapped up in it because of the Dave's hammock wisdom and the video. And, you know, he's just saying this isn't translating from video, which I love. It's great. Everybody, you know, they can see you. They can hear your passion. They can hear your sincerity and genuine. They look in your eyes. It all works, but but it's just not translating on on paper, and um, and even the title, which the title is Dave's Hammock Wisdom, and you know we're we're questioning everything, even the title, because we're just trying to look at this, and so I've I've decided that the title maybe 99... Dave's Hammock Wisdom is the subtitle. <laughs> maybe <laughs> subtitle was translated from. Yeah, 99 Lessons Learned Living Life, which was great. You got four L's. I mean, you know, it it it, uh, it works with the, the formula, whatever the formula is, of a great subtitle. But we decided, I decided, he, to, he told me that I needed a new title. So I worked on it. And it's not easy coming up with a title. You know, the best way to do it is to get a bunch of people in a room and just brainstorm. And uh, there's no stupid idea. And then, you know, eventually you'll come up with it. Well, I didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> I was just Yet. praying, God, <laughs> I need a title. Give me a title, subtitle, whatever. And so uh, I did come up with a title. Uh, it's Dave's Hammock Wisdom, which I'm happy about that because I've got the cover. It's me on the hammock in Hawaii. I mean, even though I'm emotionally wrapped up in that, that that's a great title. It's a great uh, picture on the on the cover. But the subtitle needed work. So uh, let me see if I can remember what it is now. 
because especially it's hard remembering titles and subtitles because you know your brain is still like brainstorming uh, dozens and dozens of them and it says oh which one did we decide on okay so here it is Dave's hammock wisdom success using uncommon sense and I think if I saw that title First of all, the Dave's Hammock Wisdom, that's kind of strange. And you say, what? What do you mean Dave's Hammock Wisdom? And then, so you want to read more, Success Using Uncommon Sense. And then they see this guy in the background in a beautiful Hawaii setting, like relaxing on the hammock. I would pick it up, but maybe that's just me. But I think it's a better title than 99 Lessons Learned Living Life. Yes. Because, because, success, uh, is, success grabs Yeah, success people. is a great word. Because who doesn't want to be success? And I almost look like some some successful guy just laying on a hammock, you know, who doesn't have to work. I mean, that's not the case, but that's what it kind of <laughs> looks like. So yeah. you're going to appeal to the entrepreneurs, I think, because what we what we preach to caregivers is what entrepreneurs need to learn, right? You can't be a successful entrepreneur unless you uh, are in control. You're taking care of yourself. You're sleeping right. You're eating right. You're putting your needs first. And so on. I mean, it, I like to say that caregivers have the problems they have today, the same problems they had before they became caregiver. You know, it just magnifies your problems. So that's why, gosh, if we can get these people before they even become caregivers, Adrian, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? If we get, can get them putting their needs first and eating right and sleeping right and putting their oxygen masks on, uh, before they even become a caregiver, because I always like to say, if you're not a caregiver, don't tune us out. Just wait. You're either going to become one or you're going to need one. And it's as simple as that. And I tried so hard to get um, Rosalind Carter, the first lady, to do a testimonial. Because, you know, I was there and we I took a picture with her. And, and gosh, she's, she's so old. She's like 90, 92 or 94. I can't remember. But... Um, uh, you know, she was she was like dozing off during the church service that we were there, and I I don't blame her. I would probably be dozing off if I was <laughs> that age. But um, so I spoke to her uh, her assistant, and she says, you know, she's ninety four, whatever it is, and she's she's earned the right to just take it easy because she's done so much for so long, and she just can't do that anymore. She can't read books and she, you know because she reads them very thoroughly before she puts her name on anything. And, uh, you know, they're just re relaxing. They're enjoying life. They go over to and have dinner at friends' houses, you know. They'll travel a little locally. But, uh, you know, they want to stay healthy and they want to stay active. And, and um, you know, the president is, is finally feeling good. And he showed up at, at uh, his church uh, the following week that I was there because I missed him. So instead, I remembered that I had a test testimonial from Superman, Dean Cain. And so I <laughs> put that one on the, on the, on the book, the, the full one on the back cover and, and the, uh, just a blurb on the bottom. So what can we do, Adrian, to, um, to help caregivers? Because uh, I remember when I was not a caregiver, I knew some people, uh, a friend of mine, and he was older. He was the vice president of Carnation Company. He was a very successful guy, very brilliant man. And he took time out of his uh, busy schedule, and I was just in my early 20s, just just freshly married, married and uh, started a new business, and he took his time to just kind of pour into me. And the guy had a stroke like a couple of years later, and he couldn't talk, exactly like my wife's stroke, couldn't talk but could understand and his poor wife, you know, she she was struggling because he was very strong-willed. You know, vice president right. of nation, you can imagine. Just because you can't talk doesn't that. mean you, your, your personality changes. He still wanted to be in control, just like my wife is a very strong-willed woman. You know, I am woman, hear, uh, hear me. And so she still wants to be that number one uh, strong-willed woman. And even though she can't talk, boy, she's still kind of in control, you know. She she can communicate through Pictionary, charades, two games I hate. But I'm, I'm still <laughs> learning to love. And so I, I didn't know, I didn't quite know how to minister to her. I could barely minister to him because you can only 
and I'm starting to understand why why all of Charlene's friends have just dwindled away over the years. You know, because she was she had more friends than I did. But it's hard trying to communicate with someone. You can only say so many things. You can only only pretend things are normal for so long, and then it kind of gets awkward. And and so, and I experienced that. So, what can we do? Because everybody knows one to help out a caregiver. You know, you've run out of things to say. So if you see him walking on the other side of the street, you know, you might want to. Uh, some people will will avoid them, or if they see him in the supermarket, they'll go down a different aisle because they just don't want to start a conversation because it's awkward. So you got any ideas? I do. We'll share them. You start. Okay, it's always me who has to start. No, it's not always you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that a lot of things, um, caregivers, let's remember, they hate to ask for help, you know, and we know they eat, so I think if you go to the supermarket, you should just naturally assume that you should call your caregiver friend and say, hey, I'm going to the market today. Is there anything I can pick up for you? That would be very easy, right? And there's no awkward conversations. They would say, oh, my gosh, thank you for calling. I've been trying to get out to the market. And, you know, uh, the milk is sour if you can pick some up. And the cheese is moldy if you can pick up some Swiss cheese or whatever it is, you know. And there, maybe two, three, four items. And you just, you feel good. You're helping them out. And you go and you just drop it off. And if you don't want to stay, you say, you know, I, I got to go. I got... You know, my, my, I got to pick up my daughter or something, but here, uh, here, let me pay you. No, you don't have to pay me. Or, or if you do want her to pay you, yeah, let him, you know, whatever. But that's one simple thing that you can do. Can you think of one? Oh, of the simple things. Uh, yeah, we'll start simple, having, then we'll get complicated. <laughs> yeah. Have, have, uh, if you're the caregiver, um, you should have the list of things that, you know, people always say, if you oh, need anything, if you yeah. need anything, just call. And the caregiver is, you know. Just have that list or a whiteboard. Not really in the position all the time to just pick up the phone and call. So yeah. have the list ready so that when, or at least really know what you what you need. Yeah, because um, people are always so saying, you hey, you need anything I can do? Anything I can do. I can't think of it. Yeah. Let you know, and then you never do. But if you got that and, list and, ready, uh, the the problem of having someone who only wants you to take care of them mm. is a real problem. I mean, Steve, uh, <laughs> Steve only wanted me. He would that he he wouldn't consider uh, having an aide take care of him. Uh, he was lucky that I was able to do it. I was also able to do it for his mother, the two of them, for a while. But finally, <laughs> I had to regrets? get a companion for his mother uh -huh. so I could continue to do what I was doing for Steve. Mm. Um, but it's a difficult situation, and I'm not, uh, you, you know, ha he would let me leave the house when I would ask. So I guess what it amounts to there is that the caregiver needs to set some ground rules. Yeah, boundaries. Yeah. Um, like I I need like two hour two hours a week, or I need to I need to see my friends for brunch on Saturday or Sunday, mm -hmm. or I need to meet somebody you know once or twice a week for lunch, and if if it means that it's just for those few hours, somebody else is going to come in. Usually people don't come in for less than four hours, mm -hmm. and it's not cheap. Uh, but you've got if you've got friends that can come in. Yeah, or you can barter. Uh, or, yeah, or barter. Um, now, what do you do if they give you a hard time? And you say, no, you can't do that. How do you push back? Some caregivers say, won't. They'll just take, say, "Oh well." I have to. I have to take care of myself, or I, I won't be able to be here for you. Yeah. I mean, and if you say that often enough, they'll hear it. 
Yeah, it's like uh, decide what mountain you want to die on, because there has to be a mountain that you are willing to to yeah. uh, die on. You know, pick your battles. Maybe not all of them. Pick your battles, and um, because I know you and I have both heard so many caregivers. Oh, I can't get this done, and and no, uh, you know, I can't get any sleep. He's up every hour, and this and that. And I'll ask him, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? No, that won't work. You know, I that mean, they won't won't, they're so won't, negative, yeah. you know. They, 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 yes, they just, they dismiss all suggestions. They, they remind should listen. Me, now, that's a good, that's a good thing. <laughs> you should were, tell a caregiver to listen because you never know when somebody's yeah. going to actually have a good idea. It reminds me of, you know, the little baby elephants in the circus. They will tie their, their foot down to a, uh, a little stake with a, almost, you know, string. With a and, rope, yeah. Yeah, and and it's a it's a thin rope. I hear my phone ringing somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's where my phone is. And so <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, the the elephant might not be strong enough to to break that that rope, you know. But now, you know, several years later, the elephant is huge, and they keep using that skinny little rope to tie down that elephant with they've learned and, and they won't try to break the rope because they tried it and it didn't work and it's like they say an elephant never forgets sometimes caregivers never forget <laughs> it's like <laughs> you, you got you know if at first you don't succeed try try again and if you still don't succeed try again and try mm -hmm. again and try again and um, you know don't give up your zest for life don't give up your your zeal for wanting to um, just be happy and have fun. And, you know, when's the last time a caregiver had fun? Uh, that's a great question to ask caregivers because well, you'll, you'll get you terrible answers. Find, see if you can find anything you can do together, uh, even if it's just watching a movie on television. Are you talking about uh, the care receiver and the caregiver? Yes, the loved one? so that the two of yeah. you can enjoy something together. Yeah, and maybe uh, and that will satisfy the, the need. And you can even let the person who's being cared for pick the movie to mm -hmm. give them a feeling of of power, of, yeah. um, you know, they still matter. So when Steve would insist that, you, you know, you were the one, the only one, is it is it because uh, you didn't do things like that with him? I mean, did he did he have an insatiable appetite for you? Or, um, I'm thinking that that if you don't do things like that, like watch a movie together where you you're together and have uh, uh, you know holding hands for two hours or something, that that might fulfill some of that neediness, and and they may let you go to the market as opposed to like god, god we don't do anything together you know you come and you go and and uh, i feel like i don't even know you anymore and that that could cause neediness to where no i don't want you to go stay here or whatever steve steve was needy when he was well <laughs> i mean he he was a hypochondriac so i oh. was used to caregiving before i had a caregive because <laughs> uh, believe me taking care of a hypochondriac is not an easy thing to do you know what, what a hypochondriac will put on his tombstone? I told you so. See, I told you I was sick. sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I put on Steve's tombstone? I can't. Gone fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all of the other tombstones in the area are so serious. You know, really? but, but gone, gone fishing. fishing. That's who he was. So I was very, I was very lucky. I mean, Steve had periods where he was totally um, incapable of doing anything. But for the most really? part, Steve was able to go to work and um, he, he might come home tired, but he was able to to live his life, except for the days where he had to go for radiation or chemo or whatever. Um, no one, and he wouldn't let anyone know he was sick oh. because he didn't look sick. It was amazing. Wow. So 
that was good for him. But that doesn't happen, you know, and it was also good for me because we could still go out and do things and people mm -hmm. wouldn't come up to us and say, oh, what's wrong, you know, you don't look like yourself. You know, it, it, there was none of that. And if he lost yeah. any weight, it was like he was always trying to lose weight. So yeah. <laughs> that was there. But there were always other issues. There were control issues and mm -hmm. and... I, I, I find that in caregiving, that's a, that's a big issue. That How old were you two when, when you married? How old were you two when you married? When we married? We were together for 26 years before we married. How old were you when you met? I was 32. Oh, and he was? He was 39. Okay, so he was, that was controlling right Jack from the beginning. That was his first Jack Benny birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so he was controlling from the very beginning, huh? Very beginning. He was not trusting. And I think that that's a big thing with people who only want to have their spouse or partner or whatever or parent be the one that takes care of them because they're not comfortable or secure with somebody else. They've learned to trust you, but not necessarily somebody, a total stranger that you're going to leave them with. Sometimes even a friend they're afraid isn't going to be able to do what you can do for them. Wow. Uh, that's a similar story to uh, who? What's the name of the Kiss guy? Simmons. Uh, Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. They were together for like twenty-five years, and he he just didn't want to get married. And they even had like two kids. And finally, he says, "Okay, let's get married." <laughs> and well, we Steve asked me to marry him when he came out of his induced coma after he had the peritonitis that took him to the hospital. Oh, that wow. and and when he came out of the coma and asked me to marry him, I said, "You better ask me in three days because wait till the <laughs> drugs wear off." I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to say yes and then be disappointed, you know. But wow. it 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 took that long for him to trust me unconditionally. Wow. Yeah, trust is a big issue with not just you know not just in relationships, but when you get into a caregiving situation, yeah. you have to trust the person that you're with to be able to do the do take good care of you. So were you okay? Your, their life is in your hands. Were you okay being with a controller? I mean, uh... it took time. I had to learn to let a lot of stuff roll off my back and just listen to him and go, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> but <laughs> so you loved it, him more than you hated being yes. controlled. Yes. I, I mean, there was Must no contest. Guy, he, he was quite a guy. What um, was his most outstanding quality as a person that you loved about him? His humor. Funny guy. It's, oh, he was brilliant. Made you laugh. Well, not just made me laugh. The thing is, after after 32 years together, because we were we were married for six years after after he um, came out of that coma, um, well, five and a half years. Uh, but you hear the same jokes over and over after a while. There is some <laughs> some. There's a lot of humor in right. in just day to day. You know conversation but when if he told me a joke it's like how many times am i going to hear that joke and you want you expect me to laugh every time i hear it you told him that you know and how would he respond to that when you told him yeah he would accept it <laughs> he would accept it that when i when i finished sentences for him or gave yeah. you know finished the punchline he got the point but um to to have given me advice, I'm trying to think of what advice I I should have listened to. Um, I'm 
I'm not being arrogant when I say I don't know how I did it, but I really feel I did with him and all of his convoluted issues, I think I did everything right. I don't know what I could have done any better down to the minute that he died, the second that he died. So well, you're you're a good wife. You're a faithful wife. You're you're happy now. You're adjusted. You're living a great life. I don't think you have any regrets. I don't have. That's the beauty of being a, a caregiver, a real loving caregiver, is knowing that it is coming out of it, and knowing you have no regrets. It's easier to move on. Mm once once you know I've done all I could I really I did a good job I really did a good job and um, other people might not think so but I know what I did doesn't matter what other people think and I didn't care what they weren't there to help <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's for I sure mean, he was he had friends who he'd get together with because he was able to leave the house so he would he would get together with his friends and those were the few people who did know that something was wrong mm. um, but but most people did not know he didn't want them to yeah. he wanted to be considered just a normal healthy you know funny guy Right. He left. He the left you in good shape. He was yeah. a good provider for you, and he left you in very good shape. What a blessing! He did. He did. I take credit for some of that, but <laughs> <laughs> I put him on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> Behind every great man is a greater woman. N not greater, but I was a good partner. I was a well, good partner. Let's take a break, and we'll talk more about this when we get back. So don't go away. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life, and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today, or buy one for your special caregiver, on sale everywhere, and at caregiverscaregiver.com. And we're back with Adrian Gruberg and Dave Nassani on the Caregiver Dave Show. And we're talking about what we can do to the caregivers that we know to make their lives a little better, to help them to be healthy, to stay alive. I know you get tired of hearing the statistic, 30% of them die before their loved ones do. Many more become sicker than the ones they care for, eventually needing a caregiver of their own. And so, you know, I'm in the midst of writing a book about uh, wisdom, Dave's Hammock Wisdom, and and um, have have a new subtitle, like I said. <laughs> what is it again? Uh, success, success using uncommon sense, which I like that. The more I, the more yes. I read it over and over again, you like it, huh? Yeah. Yes, yes, good. We're on the right track. It's easy. <laughs> it's easier to write when you know what you're trying to say through a title, and you know who your target audience is. Because I don't want my audience to just be caregivers, but um, future caregivers. There's a good way of saying it, because everyone's going to become a caregiver. Yeah, so, but you're saying that entrepreneurs need to learn these lessons too. So it's yes. really targeted at anybody who wants this kind of, it's simple common sense kind of wisdom. 
which is which is common from experience, which isn't common anymore. No. Um, one of the things my son-in-law was saying is that you know you use a lot of cliches and a lot of old sayings that are just um, not relevant anymore because you know your granddaughter doesn't know who this person was on television that everybody used to say um, before the um, before uh, Lost in Space came out uh, again recently. Uh, one of my favorite savings was Danger Will Robinson, you know, and oh, yeah, for a long time, yeah, <laughs> for a long time, nobody knew who Will Robinson was or what he what he meant or where he came from, and maybe you still don't know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it but wasn't one of my favorite shows, but yeah, I knew who Will so Robinson was. But a whole new generation now knows who Will Robinson is because mm -hmm. they made a series out of the out of it. Again, it came back. He got rebirth. And let um, me ask you if yeah. if you were given any advice that you would pass on when you were caregiving at the beginning and having and and having a lot of trouble. Well, the only advice I got was uh, I got to go way back now. So I'm in the hospital. Charlene had her stroke. And we have no idea that this is going to be a life-changing event. Seems like all the doctors were acting right. very solemn and, and uh, sad and whispering, like they knew uh, right. that we were, you know, a couple of poor people who are embarking on this journey that we had no idea. But you know, we we were pretty positive, and I was very optimistic, as I always am, and I thought this is just going to be a little speed bump. She'll get over this, and we'll be fine. We'll be back on track. And, you know, the days turned into weeks. The weeks turned into months. The months turned into years. The years turned into decades. And I had no idea that 23 years later I would still be dealing with this. And I don't know when it happened, but thank God that something happened where we, even though we believed for the best, we uh, expected the best, you know, we also were... Um, you know, pragmatic and and knew well if if this could be this could be it. You know, this could be right. the rest of our lives. And you know, like my feet hurt because uh, of arthritis, and sometimes they hurt so much I got to use my wife's wheelchair. And so I'll say, well, this is it. You know, if I may have to spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair, and that's okay. There's no better time in in history to be disabled than it is today because you know they've got all these gadgets and they got the sidewalks with slopes and stuff now i'm not wishing that on myself obviously but no but you, know, you always try to say okay well what's the worst case scenario what's the worst thing that can happen otherwise you know you walk around depressed and, and sad and and if the worst thing is that i'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life well hey my wife's in a chair she seems to be doing okay and there's a ton of people in in chairs they seem to be doing okay i don't wish this on me and i'll do everything in my power to make sure it never happens you know by by exercising i just say use it or lose it so i i walk even though it's painful to walk i'm going to keep walking until i can't what and made you finally go to a support group well this woman came to our hospital room and she was a little scary looking. She was she was attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clarify. <laughs> Nurse Babbitt. <laughs> yeah. She was just a volunteer. Uh, we were at St. Joseph in, in um, Burbank. And she was visiting each of the pa patients in the stroke ward. And we yeah. were next, and I was watching her, and I and she walked a little funny, and she talked a little funny, but she had a cute little blonde bob, you know, and and she was cute looking, but she was scary looking at the same time because of the way she walked and talked. I didn't quite know what to make of her, and then finally she came over to us, and she says, "Hi, my name is uh, Sybil or whatever her name right. was." It was very hard to understand her. She goes. I want you to know that that we have a support group for for stroke survivors and their caregivers. I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, because she says she had a stroke. I says, is I got very scared because I says, 
is this what we have to look forward to? Mm. Is mm. this what my wife is going to sound like? <clears throat> I said, oh, my God. I remember not being okay with that and being a little scared and scared. Not, not wanting to talk to her anymore. <laughs> Just go away. you know. But I, obviously I didn't say that. Um, now, looking back in retrospect, uh, I would give anything to have my wife talk like that because she can't talk at all. Mm. You know, so be careful what you wish for. Um, so I don't know how many times uh, I, I, we were living at the hospital for six weeks. I mean, we were there a long time. And I was sleeping there many nights. They, they, yeah. allowed, they allowed me to, breaking the me rules. Too. And so um, she would come by again and again and again. And finally, you know, after kind of reality set in and maybe it was the third or the fourth week and she still can't talk and and I'm starting to think, hmm. And, and I started having symptoms of burnout because, you know, I wasn't well, taking were... care of myself. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't sleeping right. I wasn't showering. I mean, I was just... I, I was neglecting my business, and I, and I says, you know, maybe I need to go to a support group to see what it's all about, to see what mm -hmm. she's talking about. So I went, and um, it was great. I, I met people there just like me, burned-out caregivers, and they all started telling their horror stories about how their loved one treats them. <laughs> right. And it was funny because I could relate, and we was, oh, yeah, my wife does that too, you know. Um, it it was it was like a burden being lifted off my shoulders because mm -hmm. for the first time I didn't feel like I was the only one this was happening to because you feel like you're all alone and and the whole world is going around doing their stuff living their normal lives and I'm stuck in this hospital room with my disabled wife and I don't know if she's ever going to get better. Because, um, you know, you're not in a room with other stroke victims. You might be in a room right. with someone who had a heart attack and another might uh, be in a room with somebody who's just, uh, you know, broke their arm or something. So it's like you feel like you're the only one in the world who's ever had a stroke. I certainly never knew what a stroke was before, didn't know what the symptoms were or what the prognosis of someone who had one was. And we had friends, lots of friends coming, lots of visitors I mean, tons of visitors. The whole wall was full of cards from top to mm. bottom, left to right. And you could just see the doctors and the nurses. That made them even sadder to say, oh, my gosh, so, you know, this, this woman, you know, had a, had a life and she had friends. And, and they're just shaking their heads and they're always whispering, you know. Um, and it just, it it felt good to go to the caregiver support group because I could be... Normal, even though I wasn't normal. I was around other people who could relate to me, and I could feel like I was normal. There's something good about feeling normal. You yeah, can be honest. You not have to hide anything. And it was very refreshing. It was very uh, liberating. And so I went back, and I went back, and then when she got out of the hospital, um, they, one room they had a stroke support group and the other mm -hmm. room had the caregiver and so they would be together and then right. they would separate and then the the stroke people would talk about how rotten the caregivers are treating them and <laughs> the caregivers would talk about how rotten the uh, stroke survivors were treating them so it was, it was very comical but um, you know I, I guess that's what we had to do to survive to to get through another day and so hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know I I was going to say that one of the things that I would tell a caregiver to make their life easier mm. would be to find, uh, if not a disease-specific support group, just uh, support Age. groups online that um, have other people who share, because really, over over many diseases, yes, of course, every disease has or every illness has has its own special areas of of interest. But caregivers have so many things in common, and uh, 
the internet's made it possible for all of these people to communicate. Now, Steve was diagnosed in 2005, and Facebook I don't even think there was Facebook. Facebook probably came around a couple of years later. Um, MySpace, my which I wasn't on. MySpace I was not on. But I, I remember being up late one night after I'd finally put him to bed and going online to the American Cancer Society and writing letters to a few different caregiver agencies that I could find online. And it was not easy, in, you know, way back when. Mm. And uh, once the American Cancer Society was able to put me in touch with the right people, um, you know, one group led to, that I couldn't go to that was a face-to-face -face group because I couldn't get out of the house, led to another group, led to another group. And finally, I found the right group. And... and the support was invaluable. Um, I, I really don't think that I could give a caregiver any better advice than to find other caregivers to talk to, yeah. um, to find out what they did in, like, in similar situations. Even yeah. though they may differ, they're, you know, if it's loneliness, if it's isolation, hey, you know. Yeah. And uh, age groups are very important because uh, we were fortunate because this woman was relatively young. She was you know, 50, 55, yeah. and Charlene was 52 at the time. I was only 42. So, you know, to me, everybody was older. But yeah. um, she was saying that it, it was a special stroke support group for younger stroke survivors. Younger in quotes because... Um, we tried a couple of other support groups that were right there at the hospital. And, I mean, these guys are in their 90s and exactly. 85. And Charlene is like 52. And it was like being surrounded by your grandparents or your great-grandparents. And, and a lot of them didn't look very well. They looked like, you know, they were getting ready to croak. And uh, it, that's de depressing. And that's why she didn't want to go to a support group because everyone in there was older than her. And it was just depressing. It's like, oh my gosh, is this is this where I am? You gonna leave me with all these old people? And so the one good thing about um, um, Candace, I think her name was, and the younger support group, was that Charlene was 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 not the uh, uh, youngest person in there. She was right. many times uh, uh, right in the middle. There were some they older, belonged. but. But I remember there was a 23-year-old uh, young mother who had a brainstem Oof. stroke and, and uh, young children at home and a husband. And then there were other uh, people in their 30s. And, and believe it or not, um, young people get strokes about 15 to 20% of the time. And they don't know why, but uh, you know, it doesn't just happen to old people. It was like and, early onset Alzheimer's. Um, yeah. You better find a group of people that have, you know, that are your age, or yeah, you're not going to get any any advice that's permanent. Yeah, because it, you know, and you do really connect with uh, if you're young, you can connect with a young person or someone your age, because it's like this shouldn't be happening to me in my 40s. You know, I shouldn't uh, at 42. Right. I was a caregiver, and I didn't. I didn't think this should be happening to me. <laughs> you know, I was still young, nothing hurt in my body. I was active. Uh, and, you know, that's why I was so, I kept telling myself, this is just a speed bump. We're going to get over this. And, right. and uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm 52 now. I'm the age that she was that, uh, you know, at the time that, that she had the stroke and she's 62 and we're still dealing with it. And I remember having a 10-year anniversary. I went to a party because I was still believing one day. Because she met a guy who was uh, had a stroke 10 years ago, lost his speech. And all of a sudden, one day, he started talking again. So we always had hope that one day something was going to just snap in her brain and she was going to get it and she was just going to start talking like this guy did. And was that Charlene was our... in, in any kind of therapy at that point? Yeah, they gave her six weeks of uh, speech therapy in the hospital. They gave her six weeks 
of speech therapy um, at Northridge after the hospital, and they mm-hmm. gave her six weeks of speech therapy at home in in home care. And uh, you know she she progressed, but it's hard work, and a lot of times she just wasn't willing to do the work. It's mm-hmm. I compare it to uh, going to the crap table in Las Vegas. You you put down a hundred dollar bill on the table on a number. And if you win, you get a penny back. <laughs> and <laughs> those were the odds with Charlene because she was working hard. She was working hard with speech. She was working hard trying to walk with orthotic devices and this and that. And, and she was working hard. And the, the, the progress she saw was in pennies. you know. And finally, mm-hmm. she just said, screw it. I'm going to stay in this chair. I don't want that orthotic advice. I can't device anymore because I can't wear my pretty shoes. I have to wear this ugly right. tennis shoe. And so she just made up her mind one day that she's just she doesn't want therapy anymore. She, and we even tried all of the weird stuff that's not covered by insurance, you know, the hyperbaric right. oxygen, the electronic uh, biofeedback, uh, just um, the herbs and the pills from China. Right. Each time, you know, we'd shelled out $10,000 from our pockets and wasn't any better off. And so finally, she just didn't want to try anything anymore. Anyone who says, oh, there's this new thing. No, 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 no. I guess people with cancer are the same way. They're they're bombarded with all sorts of new cancer developments and this and that, you know. Lots of people with cancer will keep trying anything. I guess because they're dying, perhaps. Versus just being versus just living a new way. Yeah, in a new reality, right? Well, let's take another break, and we will be right back. So don't go away. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave the Caregivers Caregiver Radio Program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experience. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. (laughs) And we're back on the cake of a day. I just get a kick out of that uh, sizzle reel. Crack yourself up. I do. I, I just can't believe I did all that stuff. I can't believe it. Because, you know, in the back of our mind, I'm just Mobile Dave, own a gas station, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, a lot of good has come out of a lot of tragedy. And isn't life like that, you know? I mean, look at you yes. with the caregiver space. You're, you're a celebrity in the caregiver circles and and uh, and you're leaving a legacy to caregivers and your legacy to to whatever relatives you have. I know you didn't have any children, which is a no shame. Children. It's a shame. But you know what? Uh, children just break your hearts when they get older. So <laughs> you <laughs> save yourself a lot of I don't know, if it's, I don't know if it's a shame. I know that last night I was feeling very sorry for myself. And, really? And, well, I felt... You know, like, what do I have to live for? I, I mean, I, I, I'm killing myself looking for a new apartment. Um, I'm selling this. Fun. 
I'm You're having, having fun. fun living life, aren't you? It's fun to live in I Manhattan. I will have fun when I'm settled in a new place. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I meant, you know, you're not having fun but through the moving process, but yes. No, but, but yes. When you get there, course. you're going to have a good time. You're going to be, yeah. going to be on easy street, as they say. <laughs> Once I get there, but I'm still going to be, you know, with the caregiver space, and that'll be coming out of my pocket, and that's part of why I'm selling this place. Um, it's either this place or the caregiver space. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's no contest, really. I think the caregiver space is more important. I don't need what, as much space as I have now. You've well, seen a true it. true philanthropist in the true sense of the word. You don't, you don't need all that room, Adrian. It's just... Yeah, you know. but I mean, do you, if, somebody, if somebody asks me what my occupation is, what I is have it? a hard time saying philanthropist. <laughs> I really do. Well, let's see if we can come up with a name for you. What is Adrian's occupation? I'm, I'm, I, well, Corey considers himself the director of the caregiver space. Mm-hmm. I'm president well, of the caregiver space. I'm, founder, founder and president. Founder, founder and president. That's that the sounds, way I... That sounds good to me. And what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I look for apartments. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it's, it's not a job description right now that I, that I could really Here's describe. what you say when they say, well, what do you do? Well, like Rosalind Carter, I've decided to take it easy because I've worked so hard all of my life, and I still like uh, going for coffee on Fifth Avenue and and <laughs> meeting with my friends, and uh, and I will always uh, share the passion of the caregiver space and watching it grow as a child grows into adolescence and then adulthood. Well, I'll be speaking, and I'll be doing all those things yeah. too. Okay, I'm a speaker. Um, I, I, uh, I have what to say. And well, um, Rosalind spoke till she was very late in life, well into her nineties. Yeah. 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 So I mean, no, they're an amazing couple. They're an. Uh, I mean, when I'm when I was faced with the honor of going down to be one of the ninety caregiving experts in the country to go down to the Carter mm. Center 90. to be part of that that um, oh it wasn't even a round table they they were really looking for ideas well, what did um, they do with the ideas that after they got them we'll find out they're mm. still working on them I mean that wasn't that long ago so it was yeah. just the beginning September, of November yeah so November. Hmm. So um, she was amazing. You know, she attended uh, the bigger meetings. She mm-hmm. didn't go to the breakout sessions, but she did attend the bigger meetings. And she attended lunch and met people. And she was delightful. And uh, she had finally gotten a new person to direct the foundation who was going to take it in a direction where they would make more of a difference. Because here you have a first lady who's been working on this since 1985. Mm. And the word caregiver wasn't even used at that point. I mean, yeah, the word caregiver the name was or anything, of, yeah. No, there were no, it's nothing. So... Despite her power and knowing that she had all of these connections, it was very difficult to get anyone in Washington to listen to her. Hmm. And um, now people are starting to listen. So that's good. I mean, the one thing that I, I did find out and that was very interesting was that Walmart now has a caregiver program Walmart Walmart employs more people than any other single employer in the United States including Mm. Amazon and they are they're helping their employees who are caregivers 
And I think that the fact that a company that's that big has seen the need to do something is the yeah. beginning of a of a good thing, you know. Sure. And the, some of the people that were there were the people that initiated it and had what to say about how to take this to to other organizations yeah. and sell them on the idea because God knows caregivers need the help. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, just just having your friends and 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 your immediate network and your family behind you if you're not getting help from the government or or foundations that you might be able to apply to for money um it's difficult yeah you know so like i've said before hawaii already has a uh, a $1500 respite program and i actually ran into a cab driver when i was there uh, an uber driver and he says yeah i get about $1500 from the government and i work about 30 hours at my job and I'm able to use that money to you know get people to watch my my wife and this and that so mm -hmm. I met a real live recipient of the real Kapuna uh, respite uh, bill which I think should be a model for the rest of the country and I'm still um, believing and dreaming that uh, you and I will be invited to Washington at the White House and the Congress and the Senate you think so oh, I hope I, so I know so yes God, so I think it's about time. Yeah, why not? In, so with your connections um, and my connections, uh, one of us will do something, you know. Yeah. Or Lisa Hirsch. <laughs> I believe does she, that, have, does she have connections? No, she's just got the willpower. Yeah, she's a fireball. Yeah. And she's so young and has <laughs> so much energy that I wish I had. <laughs> How old is she? We I won't talk about say, her age over the air. Say, uh, I won't say. She's younger than us, right? <laughs> than you? So. Than me? No. Really? Well, she looks pretty good for her age. Of course, you look pretty good for your age. I look pretty good for my age. We all look good. Yeah. All right. Last That's thoughts. We were very, we were very smart caregivers and took care of ourselves. Very smart caregivers. <laughs> I joke around and say, gee, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd take better care of myself. Care of myself. Keith Richards stopped smoking. <laughs> Keith Richards? Yes, from the Rolling Stones. Um, Do you know what Keith Richards looks like? I know the Rolling Stones. and Well, and Keith Richards is the one that's all knackered and really looks terrible. And Stephen Colbert said, well, I'm glad he finally started to take <laughs> care of himself before it was too late. <laughs> well, he, so Mick Jaggard's in better shape than he is, right? Oh yeah, yeah, much better shape. Yeah, you know so, who's in you know who's in bad shape just by looking at them. Uh, Dog the bounty hunter in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. You know who he is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, his wife recently died, and uh, it was so sad because she was she uh, she was his sweetheart, and so now while we were over there, his daughter was arrested. And the reason why uh, was, you know, just family drama that um, uh, dog's best friend, uh, dog's wife's best friend, has become friends, uh, more intimate friends, and so they've been like dating. And I know a fireman. Remember, I told you about this this uh, this fireman whose wife committed suicide. Uh, no one saw it coming. She was young and. And all of a sudden, he's after about a year. He's dating her best friend. And, I mean, there's nothing sinister about it. They just started out no, by comforting each other, and and she loves his wife. They were close so much. They were very close, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, something's developing out of that. So it, yeah. it seems to be a very. I don't see thing. anything wrong with that. Yeah, the kids have a problem with it, and so apparently his daughter yeah. had a problem, and there uh, an argument ensued, and she's very strong-willed and she was reported to push uh, an officer once and push another officer twice and it got her arrested you know well there are times and she was the drunk. children the children think that this has been going on for a while oh. that yeah. you know when their mother was sick that that he wasn't 
being a good boy. Sure, sure. You know, it's it's a it's a yeah common common misconception or not. Yeah. But <laughs> so last word, I'll give you the last word. Advice to last caregiver. word. The well, my name word. is Adrian Gruberg. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> of the, well, you don't give your last name at an AA meeting. <laughs> That's true. Adrian G. Yes. Um, but uh, president and founder of the caregiver. President and founder of the caregiverspace dot org, which is where yeah. you can reach me at Adrian at the caregiver dot org, caregiverspace dot org. And the sites, thecaregiverspace.org, and all of the social media links are there. We've got a great Facebook community with a lot of different breakout sessions. Yes, and I'm Dave Nassani, president and founder of caregiverdave.com. <laughs> See? And author of four books. It's, it's My Life 2, One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, uh, Getting Hosed. And Dave's Hammock Wisdom, Success Using Uncommon Sense. It says and, six books on the commercial, dear. Um, those are counting the books that I co-authored with, which I don't okay. like to count because, you know, I, I only have but a chapter. But you did on the commercial. Yeah. So um, yeah. I wanted yeah. to know what I had three books was. that I wrote and I had three books that I uh, co-authored. Okay, so but, this uh, is... So I, I kept I kept yours. saying, well, should I mention, you know, that I'm six? Uh, curse would be seven now, or do I just? Uh, I decided, you know, um, that there are so many co-authored books out there, and there's so many. Um, I forget the word they use it when they when there's like fifty or sixty authors, and each one has a chapter. Yeah, I count. I compilations. That's yeah, compilations. Yes, it's too easy to do that, so I'm not counting those. So I'm I'm down to four now. I went from six to four. <laughs> <laughs> I think and, that's just fine. <laughs> yes, and soon to be number five. I'm going to be writing my fifth book. I've got it all planned already, and I'm not even done with the fourth one. And the fifth one is about my radio show of uh, celebrity caregivers. And I, I get about uh, five minutes to, uh, you know, we have a full interview with the celebrity. And then we ask a caregiver question at the very end. And many of them, about 95% of them, have a caregiver story that that just makes them teary-eyed, you know, as they shift gears. And they're not talking about themselves and their career and, and their latest movie and this and that. But now they're talking about their mother and or their brother with multiple sclerosis or, or whatever, or their father has uh, Alzheimer's. So I'm going to do a compilation book, uh, not a compilation book, a uh, transcription, transcribing the interviews that I've done. I think I've got almost 100 of them now. Um, and I'm going to make a book called uh, Celebrity Caregivers or something like that. But you have to get releases. No, because they're all public. They're all publicly done uh, on public interviews. And I was the interviewer, so I don't need a release. That's what my co-host told me, because I asked him the same question. <laughs> Is that what your lawyer told you? Uh, no, that's we'll not what my lawyer, the lawyer. told me. I'll check with the lawyer. And the but publisher. <laughs> I will just be repeating their words that is I recorded. I understand that. Yeah. But, they, but yeah, you never know. But but know. there's a difference between, was that a local show? No, syndicated in 185 countries. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, odds are you're all right, but odds check it are, out. I'm all right, but it wouldn't hurt to check it out. Yep. So I want to thank you all for tuning in, all you on Facebook Live. You know, don't be so shy. You could call in next time. I put the phone number on there because we'd love to call, to have you call and, and just chat because that's what we do, right? <laughs> bounce around answers, yeah. Yeah, and brainstorm. You know, yeah. you don't have to be a caregiver because, like I says, if you're not a caregiver, just wait. You're going to become one. You're going to need one. Now is the time to learn how to be a caregiver, not after tragedy strikes. You don't have time to scratch your head. Do and they don't now. teach you? No, they, they should teach you right next to home economics how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. How to be a caregiver. It'd be very, <laughs> it would be very uh, useful and worth it. But I don't run the education system in California, so what can I say? Right. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. 
And until next time, bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Keep breathing, take it in and let it out. Keep Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.